Listen to this story. There was a mom who noticed that her son was becoming more and more tired and discouraged as the week went on. And by the end of the week, he had lost almost all desire to get out of bed. She heard the alarm go off through the bedroom door and could hear him hitting the snooze button several times. She finally walked in and said, Son, it is time to get up. He peeked out from under the covers and said, Can you give me one good reason to get up? She replied, I'll give you three. One, it's Sunday and it's time to go to church. Two, you're 43 years old and you ought to know better. And three, you're the pastor and they expect you to be there. That is not an autobiographical story, at least not this morning. You know, I do want to talk to you today about something we all need, and that something is encouragement. Encouragement can be a very powerful force in our lives, and it's a very important topic in the Bible. Look at this verse written to a group of Christians in the first century. It says this, Therefore, encourage one another, And build each other up just as, in fact, you were doing. Now, today as we look at this topic of encouragement, I want to consider three questions with you. And here they are. What is encouragement? Why do we need it? And how does it work? And my goal today is twofold. Number one, I want to encourage each and every one of you. In fact, that is my goal every week, to encourage you. And the second goal is this, to equip you to give and to receive encouragement. So let's do this. Let's begin with a definition of encouragement, and this is on your outline. What is encouragement? Encouragement is the kind of expression that helps someone keep trying to do what pleases God even when life is hard. It's that kind of expression, those actions, those words that help somebody keep trying to do what pleases God even when life is hard. Now, the truth is we all need encouragement. Sometimes it's because of a crisis in our lives. Sometimes we need encouragement because we're, well, we're just bored. There are other times when things are not working out the way that we planned. Sometimes we need to be encouraged because we're, we're sick or tired or injured. Sometimes we didn't pass the test. Sometimes our team lost the game. Sometimes somebody broke a promise to us. There are all these reasons that we can need encouragement. Now think about this. What kind of person encourages you what kind of person encourages you now this is how people answer that question in a survey what kind of person encourages you someone who really listens and doesn't immediately tell me I was wrong someone who tries to understand how I feel someone who I can disagree with and not be afraid that they will get angry what kind of person encourages you someone who sees hope for me no matter how bad things seem to be. That's a pretty good list, isn't it? Those are some characteristics of people who encourage us. Now, here's the flip side. What kind of person discourages you? Now, according to the same survey, someone who expects perfection and is never satisfied no matter how much I do. Someone who only notices my bad points. Someone who constantly puts me down. Someone who embarrasses me and doesn't even know it. Those are characteristics of someone who discourages us. Now, the Bible makes it clear that God wants us to give and to receive encouragement, but, and this is the next question I want us to consider, why do we need it? Why do we need encouragement? And here's reason number one. Encouragement keeps us from developing a hard heart. 
That's on your outline. Encouragement keeps us from developing a hard heart. Look at this verse from Hebrews. It says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other annually. What does it say there? Yeah, I encouraged you last year, man. That should be enough, right? Encourage each other how often? Daily, daily. As long as it's called today, so that none of you, check this out, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. One of the benefits of encouragement is that it keeps us from developing a hard heart. Now, why do people develop hard hearts? Here's the short answer. The world's a hard place. And we all know that, don't we? The world can be very discouraging and disappointing and disillusioning. And listen, when you have a hard heart, a cynical heart, it is really difficult to give and to receive encouragement. It's sort of like what happens to a car battery. Ever try to jump a car battery? You know, you clamp the jumper cables on. If there's rust on the terminal, that rust is going to keep electricity from flowing into or out of a battery. Isn't that true? Well, when you have a hard, cynical heart, it's hard for encouragement to flow into your heart or out of your heart. There's an old story about a time that the devil has a garage sale and he's selling off some of his tools, things like jealousy and envy and pride. And so there's this prospective buyer who's at the garage sale and he looks and in the corner there's this one tool all by itself. And he says to the devil, hey, I want to buy that tool. And the devil says, oh, no, no, that tool is not for sale. And the guy says, well, why not? And the devil says, well, that's, that's my best tool. I would never part with that tool. And the man says, what is it? And the devil says, that's the tool of discouragement. How does Satan discourage us and harden our hearts? And here's how he does it, by getting us to believe his lies. Nobody really cares about you. Nobody cares about what you're going through. You're all alone. See that? You lost your temper again. You'll never change. Hey, look, just give in to this temptation. It's no big deal. Nobody will ever know. Church, listen, whenever we start to believe the lies of the enemy or the lies that other people tell us, or the lies that we tell ourselves, which often are just an echo of the lies of the enemy, when we start to believe those things that are not true, it can really discourage us. And when you get discouraged again and again and again, it can make your heart incredibly hard. And it becomes very difficult to give or to receive encouragement. And this is why we need to remind ourselves of God's truth and remind each other of God's truth. In fact, that's what we do here every Sunday morning. That's why my purpose is to encourage you by saying, this is what God says. This is the reality. When you're God's child, you're never alone. God sees every detail of your life. He's promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. You can believe that and not be discouraged. Or, or this, you know, when you become a Christian, God lives in you by his Holy Spirit. So you have a new identity and a new potential. You can change with God's help. Or how about this? Yeah, temptation is real. And here's the truth. If you give in to that temptation, it will have consequences. And church, realize this. God tells us the truth because he loves us and be, because he wants to encourage us. And when we remind each other of the truth, when we remind ourselves of what is true, it keeps us from having a hard, cynical heart. Now here's another reason, another way that Encouragement benefits us. Number two, encouragement stimulates the hope 
that help is available for the problems we face today. It stimulates the hope that help is available for the problems we face today. One of the things that discourages us the most is when we face a situation and we believe that nobody can help us. Now, some of you have certainly experienced that. Some of you may be going through that right now. It could be a situation with your family, a financial situation. Maybe it involves your child or your health. There's this predictable progression to discouragement over difficult problems. It starts with discouragement. And after we've been discouraged for a certain amount of time, we start getting depressed, and depression gives way to despair. Now, what is the opposite of despair? A four-letter word that starts with the letter H. What is it? Hope. God wants us to live with hope. Now, look at this verse from the book of Romans. It says this. For everything that was written in the past. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and he's referring to the scriptures in the Old Testament. All those stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, everything that was written in the past was written, and here's the purpose, to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. The stories in this book are designed to give us hope. I remember when I was in graduate school, I had to take a number of counseling courses. And the first course that I took, the first session, the professor said, listen, when you're a pastor, people are going to come to your office and they're going to have problems, serious problems. And the one thing that they need from you more than anything else is this, hope. And specifically, the hope that help is available for the problem that they're facing. Now, I've had this experience many times. I've talked to people and they are hopeless. And here's why. They don't think anybody can do anything about the problem that they're facing. Have you ever been there before? And when I encounter that situation, this is what I tell people. You know what? You might be right. It could be that no one you know and no one I know can help you. But God can. And God will. And look at this verse. This is a great verse from Psalm 46. It says this. God is our refuge and strength. And ever-present, and you see that next word? What is it? Help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Somebody said one time that a Bible that's falling apart is usually owned by someone who's not. When your world seems to be falling apart, God can hold you together. And he often does that through the encouragement of other people. And there's a great example of that here in the Bible. This is a verse from 1 Thessalonians. There were these Christians, and they were going through really hard times. And this is what the Apostle Paul does to encourage them. Look at this verse. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. See, Timothy goes to these people that are going through such a tough time, and he talks to them, and he prays with them, and he encourages them. And friends, that's the opportunity that God gives us as well to be God's instrument of encouragement to other people. Now, here's another reason we need encouragement. Number three, encouragement enables us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Encouragement enables us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Now, this verse is God speaking to Moses, and he says to Moses, but commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across, that's across the Jordan River, and will cause him to inherit the land that you will see. 
Now let me ask you this. Did it take a long time for Israel to enter the promised land? Did it? How long? Who knows? How many years? Yeah, 40 years. That's a pretty long time, wouldn't you say? Um, did they encounter any obstacles along the way? Yeah, they had problem after problem and setback after setback. Did they ever get discouraged? Well, yeah, they did. Now, what about you? Have you ever thought that something was going to work out and it took longer than you expected? Have you ever had a goal and there was one setback and one challenge, one problem after another? Did you ever get discouraged? You know, I was thinking this morning as we came into the building, when we were trying to get our certificate of occupancy so that we could have our first worship service, it was taking a lot longer than I ever thought it would. And we faced one obstacle after another. I still remember there was a week we moved all the stuff from Odyssey Middle School. Some of you were, um, were here, and we were getting ready for worship. And we thought, hey, we're going to be in the building this Sunday. And the county midweek told us, oh, no, you're not. And it was like, what are we going to do? And some of you remember there was a giant tent in the parking lot. How many of you were there at that service? Wasn't that something? And so we had church in the parking lot that day, and I remember my message was about crossing the Jordan River, because we were so close, but we couldn't get inside. And I said, listen, we just need to, we need to trust God and keep, keep doing the next right thing. And I was thinking back to that time, and you know, it seemed like Palm Beach County was in charge. But I kept reminding myself and others, no, God's still in charge. It's his timing, not theirs. And listen, when you're facing discouragement, you need to remind yourself of the same thing. God's still in charge. And here's what he wants you to do. Take the next right step. I'm sure all of you have heard this before. Hey, you just got to take it one day at a time. Everybody's heard that, right? Just take it one day at a time. But here's the reality. When you're feeling discouraged, sometimes you take it one hour at a time. And sometimes you break it down even further and say, you know what, I can take it one minute at a time because I can get through this next minute. And then God's got to give me the encouragement to keep going. But that's what God does. Now here's another reason we need encouragement. Number four, encouragement is the impetus for change. Encouragement is the impetus for change. One of the most discouraging things that we experience is when we're trying to change and it's just not happening. It feels like you take, you know, one step forward and two steps back. For example, let's say that you're, you're married and you're trying to be more sensitive to your spouse and you end up being selfish again, just thinking about yourself. Or how about this? You're trying to get a handle on your anger and even though you're trying really, really hard, you lose your temper again. Or maybe, maybe you're battling anxiety and you're, feel like you're making some really good progress, but then something happens that nearly gives you a panic attack. Friends, in order to change and grow and become the people that God's created us to be, we need encouragement so that we don't give up. Now look at this next verse from 2 Thessalonians. It says this. It's really a prayer. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Listen, when it comes to change, let me give you these words of encouragement from a familiar character. Never, ever, ever give up. Trust God and keep going. Well, so far we've defined encouragement and why we need it. The last question to answer is this. How does it work? How do you give and receive encouragement? 
Look at this statement on your outline. It says, words that encourage are prompted by love. And this is really important. Words that encourage are prompted by love. Check out this verse. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saint. For encouragement to work, we've got to want to encourage one another. And what motivation is strong enough to cause us to do that? The motivation of love. Let me ask you this. Why does God want to encourage you right now? Because he does. Why? Why do you think God wants to encourage you? Yeah, he loves you. We sang that song, didn't we? Jesus loves me. He is for me. God loves you. God is for you. God wants to encourage you because he loves you. Max Lucado said this, there are many reasons God saves you to bring glory to himself, to appease his justice, to demonstrate his sovereignty, but the sweetest reason God saves you is because he's fond of you. He likes having you around. In short, he loves you. Now, we all know this. Words that encourage, words that encourage are prompted by love. That's what we just said. But love is risky business. Sometimes we hold back from being involved in people's lives because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of being misunderstood. Sometimes we're just not sure that we'll say the right thing. But in order for God to use us to encourage one another, we have to be willing to take the risk. So let's say that you see somebody who's discouraged. What do you say to them to encourage them? Well, here's an example of what not to say. Listen to this story. A seasick passenger was leaning over the rail of an ocean liner and it turned several shades of green. A crew member came along and tried to cheer him up saying, don't be discouraged, sir. You know, no one's ever died of seasickness yet. The nauseated passenger looked up and replied, oh, don't say that. It's only the hope of dying that's kept me alive this long. You know, there are times when we, we want to encourage people, but we don't say the right thing. Here's an example. A parent says to a child nervous about the first day of school, I don't know what you're so nervous about. I was never nervous on the first day of school. Well, thanks, Dad. That really encourages me. Or how about this? Somebody waiting for a medical report has a friend who says, don't worry, it's probably nothing. You'll be fine. Well, what if I'm not fine? Or how about this? A woman worried about her marriage breaking up hears these words. I always knew you could do better than him. Thanks, boy, that really encourages me a lot. What kind of words actually encourage? Now look at your outline again. Words that encourage are directed towards fear. And this is a foundational concept when it comes to encouragement. Words that encourage are motivated by love and directed toward fear. Now where does this idea come from? Actually it comes from scripture and how God encourages us. Look at Psalm 46 again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not what? We will not fear. See, people going through really hard times are fearful that their world is going to crumble and fall apart. God says, He is our refuge. He is our strength. He will help us in times of trouble. We don't have to be a fear. We don't have to be afraid. Though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea. When God wants to encourage us, he speaks words that are motivated by love and directed toward fear. And here's the reality. We have all kinds of fears, don't we? I mean, if I could look into all of your hearts this morning, I would see all kinds of fear. Some people are afraid just about what's going to happen in the future. Some of you have financial fears. 
Some of you have the fear of abandonment, the fear of rejection. Some of you are fearful about choices that your children are making. There's all these fears. And here's what God does to encourage us. He speaks words motivated by love and directed toward our fear to relieve that fear. And here's another example of that. This is from the book of Isaiah, God speaking to his people. But now, O Israel, the Lord who created you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. God is speaking specifically to the fear of abandonment. He says, I'm not going to abandon you. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. If you want to encourage somebody, you need to speak words that are motivated by love and directed toward fear. And here's what that means. You've got to listen and try to understand what somebody is afraid of. And let me just say this, for those of you who are married, let me talk to husbands first. When you listen to your wife, don't just listen to the words. Listen to what's between the words. Listen to your wife's heart. And as you do, often you can tell what the fear is that she's dealing with. And once you understand that, you can speak words motivated by love that will deeply encourage your wife. And wives, it works the same way in reverse. You know, there are guys who have a pretty tough exterior and they don't want you to know that they're afraid of anything. But guys, we know that there are fears that we have, right? And the most encouraging thing in the world is when your wife knows your fear and speaks out of love to lessen that fear. And moms and dads, this is how you encourage your sons and daughters. You have to know them well enough to know what they struggle with, to know what they're afraid of, and speak words motivated by love that help lessen those fears. Now, look at these questions on your outline. Question number one, who encourages you? Who encourages you? Listen, if you have at least one person who consistently encourages you, thank God for that person. I am so thankful for my wife, Chris. She is my number one encourager. She really is, because she knows my heart. And let me say this too, if you don't have someone who encourages you, seek that person out. Pray that God will send somebody who can encourage you. And the second question is this, who do you need to encourage today? Who do you need to encourage today? I was talking to our staff, we were praying together as we do every Sunday um, about 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And I was sharing this thought that when you're serious about following Jesus Christ, when you really want to make an impact for the kingdom... It's almost like getting moved up on Satan's hit list. He really wants to take you out, and he uses his best tool, which is what? Discouragement. And so when you're serious about following Jesus, you need to have a good strategy for dealing with discouragement. And this is what often happens to me. I'm feeling discouraged, and God, in his infinite wisdom and in his sense of humor, will send a person to me that day who is equally discouraged. And I know what he wants me to do. No matter how I'm feeling, he wants me to say something, do something that will encourage that other person. And here's what happens. As I encourage them, guess who gets encouraged? I do. And so here's your homework assignment. You can do it today or tomorrow, but there's a a three-by-five card in your program. Do you see that? There's some nice neon colors. I want you to use that card and write a note of encouragement to somebody. Now, let me give you some examples of things that you could write. Here's one. I appreciate how hard you're trying to change. That would encourage somebody. 
Here's another. Thank you for looking for ways to encourage me. Or this. I'm here if you want to talk. Or this one. God can help you get through this. Those are words that encourage. Let me close with this. During the week, I was looking for some examples of encouraging words that I could share with you. And here are a couple of examples. God sometimes takes us into troubled waters, not to drown us, but to cleanse us. Here's another. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. That's a quote from C.S. Lewis. And here's one. A strong marriage rarely has strong people at the same time. It is a husband and wife who take turns being strong for each other in the moments when the other feels weak. That is so true. Now, I want to share with you what I consider to be the most encouraging words that I have ever heard in my entire life. And in fact, they're right behind me on the stage here. Um, They're from a conversation that, that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. They're recorded in John's Gospel. Arguably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, I believe the gospel is the most encouraging news that we could ever hear. And I was thinking this week, it really is remarkable that these words spoken by Jesus Christ are motivated by love. But notice this, they're directed toward our fear. And here's what I mean. I remember when I first understood the, the gospel, I, I understood not just on an emotional level, I mean intellectual level, but an emotional level, that I was a sinner separated from God. And I understood that God is holy and that God is just and that God was going to punish every sin I'd ever committed. And I was afraid that I was going to perish without him. Now, that's a legitimate fear. And here's the thing. In our culture, that is largely rejected or marginalized. In fact, that's marginalized in a lot of churches. People don't want to talk about fearing God, but there is a legitimate fear. Jesus says, hey, if you don't believe, you're going to perish. We should be afraid of perishing and spending eternity without God. But, but here's something that's really remarkable. Think about the song Amazing Grace. Everybody knows verse 1. But what about the next verse? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to what? Who knows? Fear, and grace my fear relieved. You see, there is this legitimate fear, but but God speaks words of life. He speaks words of love to relieve our fears. And here's the reality. God really does love us. He doesn't want us to spend eternity apart from, from him. He wants to forgive us. And that's why God the Father sent God the Son to this world in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus ever got discouraged? Yeah. But what did he do? He kept going. He accomplished God's purpose for his life. And God's purpose was for Jesus to live a sinless life and then allow himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. And on the cross, an amazing thing happens. God is willing to take your sin and my sin and put them on Jesus and punish him in our place. And the wrath of God that we deserve for our disobedience is poured out on Christ, and he dies for us. And God raises him to life, and Jesus says, hey, look, come and follow me, and I will give you eternal life. Because eternal life is not just for the hereafter, it's for the here and now. It starts when you trust Jesus Christ.
And listen, I want to encourage you, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ, give your life to him today. Because I'll tell you what, I believe that that is the most courageous decision a person can ever make to follow Jesus Christ. And here's how you do that. You admit you're a sinner and you ask God to forgive you. You say, God, I'm really sorry for my sin. I want to turn away from it and turn to you. You believe that Jesus died for your sins and God raised him from the dead and you choose to surrender Jesus and follow him the rest of your life. That's what it means to be a Christian. And listen, if you are a Christian this morning, I want to really encourage you. Now, remember the opening story about the pastor that wanted to stay in bed and he needed three good reasons to get out of bed? I want to give you three good reasons this morning to be encouraged. Now, thankfully you got out of bed this morning, but tomorrow might be another story. So here are three really important reasons, if you're a Christian, to be deeply encouraged. Are you ready? Ready to be encouraged? Here's number one. Because of what Jesus has done, your past is settled. You have a new record. You're guilt-free in the eyes of God. Now listen, if that doesn't encourage you, please check your pulse to see if you're alive. Seriously, that is the most encouraging thing. Now here's the second thing that I hope encourages you. It has to do with the future. If you're a Christian, your future is totally secure. You know, we have a lot of anxiety sometimes about the future, but I'll tell you this, at the end of the book, it's real simple. Jesus wins. The world's a mess. There are things in my heart that are a mess, in your heart, in our lives. But Jesus promised that he will make all things new, and he's going to do that. And the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven even now, that we have a home, a place that is perfect, where we're headed. That's our future. And I hope that encourages you, but there's more. It gets even better. Here's the third reason to be encouraged. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done, he lives in you by his Holy Spirit. That means that you not only have a new identity, you have a new potential. That means that every time you face a challenge in your life, God has promised to give you the wisdom and the courage and the strength to overcome it and to deal with it. That's his promise to you. So church, listen carefully. Lift up your head this morning and be encouraged because of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your encouragement. I thank you for your truth. Lord, it's it's like the words of the song. We get down and you lift us up over and over again and we're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray too for the one who maybe for the first time has understood the beauty of the gospel I pray today would be the day that they give their heart and their life to Jesus. And Lord, I pray this, encourage us, God. You've done that for me this morning. You've given me the privilege of of encouraging other people. And in that process, I've been encouraged. But God, I pray that it doesn't stop here. I pray that we will take this encouragement everywhere we go, that we would build bridges into this community and into this world for Christ so that others might know his hope. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.